Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. It's Baby God Backlog. I'm Trevor. I'm Andy. It's the show. And for once oh. we just started the show <laughs> and introduced ourselves instead of getting lost on a crazy tangent. Yeah, well, usually usually we go on a long tangent before we start recording and we're like, should we record while we're on a roll? And we're like, yeah. And usually we roll that into the show, but uh, I don't know. Today it's just a little more laid back, I suppose. You know, speaking of long tangents, I was thinking... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's the show where we talk about video games and talk about our backlog. And we... um, we, Hold on, I'm trying to come up with a good tagline for the episode. And uh, it's... It's something about stars. It's so easy to come up with. I just can't. Can you come up with one? Um, no, not not on the fly like that anymore. I'm too old to think that fast. It's the show where we traverse the infinite universe of stars that are video games. It's the show where... Uh, Grain by grain, we go through the ocean of video games. Why'd you go to Why'd you go to sand? Because there's a lot of it, just like there's a lot of games. But anyway, <laughs> we talk. There are a lot of games, aren't there? Yeah. Should we uh should we do our minor gripes first or should we do them later? Because no, I had you a should, minor gripe. You should hit week. me with your minor gripe now. I've been looking forward to it. Alright, so I texted Trevor because I was like, all right, now when we have minor gripes, like we have to text each other because then we'll remember, but then it's like on the record so we can check. So my minor gripe, and I don't even know why I thought of this because nobody said it. I just remembered that people say it. My minor gripe is when people point out that they are visual learners (laughs) so elaborate on that for us well it's just like you hear people all the time they're like well i'm a visual learner so like i was at this thing and i was at this yoga retreat and i blah or whatever like and they use it as like an excuse and okay it makes me frustrated for a number of reasons number one everybody (laughs) is a visual learner everybody this whole thing that we all heard that like well some people are visual learners and some people are audio and some people are that's like basically a myth like there's lots of research that shows if you want to teach somebody about like what the small intestine is or whatever right let's say you're 12 and you don't know about the small intestine yet and you're doing a lesson a hundred percent of human breathing people learn better if they are given a visual aid to go with what they are learning. Sure. A a million, that's just the way people learn is if they have a visual example, it's helpful. (laughs) That's yeah. When you say it that way, it's like, well, yeah, of course, but it, it, Right. So there's that is it's redundant. But the other thing that irritates me about it is that like typically people bring it into an example where they like it it like sort of pushes the responsibility off on like well like I could have learned and I could have paid better attention but I didn't learn it because of uh, I oh I'm so special and I have this individual way of learning when it's like (laughs) nine times out of ten like no dude you were at the DMV and like 
it doesn't matter how what type of learner you are you have to pass the driver's test or you don't get a license that's just like it you know what i mean and people use it as like a thing to sort of pass responsibility in a way that is it's irritating but it's also redundant because we're all visual learners (laughs) like stop You, you know have, what I mean? You have the best minor gripes. Like, I don't even have one that compares to that. <laughs> well, it's like it's like the ultimate minor gripe because it doesn't matter, like, at all. Like, I'm getting worked up because it's funny, but it's, like, really not worth getting worked up even a little bit. Um, I think yeah. I think this is a new segment on the show that has to be a regular, like... I, I don't even know that I have to bring a minor gripe to the show. I think if every week we just had Andy's minor gripe of the week, and you just, just just me. Yeah, I don't even need one. And even if even if we did, like I don't know that my gripes compare to yours because like my gripes my gripes are like, don't you hate when when you sit down to eat like an Oreo and you end up eating a whole row of Oreos? <laughs> you know, that's a great minor gripe though. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I mean everybody's had I'm, that. You I'm know griping I mean? with myself that I have no self control. Like that's that's not a good gripe. Yeah, well, that's like what that is the thing about it that makes it a bad gripe is you're not griping at Oreo the company. You're just expressing your own frustration. But sometimes it's good to do that and just hear like, yeah, we all eat the whole sleeve, Trevor. It's not just you. <laughs> oh, thank God. Or like maybe maybe a, a an actual minor gripe is like. How can Oreo make the claim that they're milk's favorite cookie? Like, Snickerdoodles like milk. Chocolate chip cookies like milk, too. So what makes Oreo so special that they're milk's favorite cookie? Is it all milk? Well, it's not even the issue. Is it strawberry and oat milk and almond milk and chocolate? Or is it just, like, bovine milk? You are so wrong that your minor gripes are bad. That that's <laughs> you saying is it just bovine milk? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I take it back. No, you have to bring minor gripes too. That's amazing. Okay. I'll do it for you, Andy. <laughs> yeah, but but you'll have to like the the trick is you have to like text me. We have to text each other when it happens so that it's like fresh in our mind that week, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for enjoying today's segment of uh, Minor Gripes with Andy and Trevor. But uh, we are going to talk about video games together, and we weirdly lined up with star-themed video games. Oh, that's true. You did that by accident. That's why I was like, the tagline would be star universe themed, and you went to grains of sand, and I was like, what is... (laughs) Is Trevor, like, not feeling well today? What's happening? No, I'm just an idiot. I totally missed it. So today we're talking about Sea of Stars and then Star Wars something. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Is that... How does that game relate to the Star Wars game we talked about before? Well, that depends. Do we... Are we just jumping in? Yeah, let's just jump in. Okay, before we jump in, I have a minor piece of gaming news. It's not like world gaming news or anything. It's very personal, and you know this because I told you yesterday. I'm finally, after almost four years of release, I'm finally getting a PS5, everybody. Oh, yeah. Is there like a story, or you just kind of finally pulled the trigger? 
no Spooderman. we've we've been kind of working towards it and like you know talking about it and um and i was like listen i i told myself like years ago that i was gonna get a ps5 specifically for spider-man 2 spider-man 2 comes out we're not gonna be able to eat for a couple months (laughs) (laughs) but it'll be worth it (laughs) yeah i i sat emma down and i was like i hope you like ramen noodles because that's all we're eating (laughs) i hope you really like ramen noodles we're preparing you for college here, all right, kid? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to eat paper and ramen noodles. Yeah, so I'm sorry, so I cut you off. So you were you were saying you've been you've been sort of prepping and building up to it. Yeah, ever since ever since like actually before they even announced that it was going to be an exclusive on PS5, I was like there's no way it's not going to be a PS5 exclusive when it launches. So, like I'm going to get I'm going to get a PS5 for that game and it's probably going to be the special edition PS5 and I fulfilled that was a self-fulfilling prop- prophecy in the best of ways cuz that's the yeah, one I'm getting is cool, the special man. edition one and I'm super stoked about it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. It's funny, I'm in like a weird place with the PS5 and I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I don't think that we have. But um like for this year, especially with Spider-Man coming out and stuff and me now having a video game podcast and like playing a lot more games that aren't Nintendo, I've just been like, oh, like maybe I'll get it with my like wedding money. Like if we get gifted a lot of money, I'll buy a PS5 or something. And like this summer, I was like sitting down like, all right, cool. Like I'm thinking about pulling the trigger. And I was like, all right, like what what games am I excited to play for ps5 and i just looked up like what are the ps5 exclusives and in 2023 in july of 2023 and now as we're recording there's like five playstation 5 exclusive games like that's not even really an exaggeration i think the number might actually be like nine games yeah i Um, i think that's actually true and the only game that was out that besides Spider-Man that I've thought about maybe playing is Final Fantasy 16. And even that is like a maybe, but I was just like, I can't, I'm too cheap of a person to justify buying a whole new system for one, maybe two games. Like it's just not worth the money for me personally that I was like, I can't, I can't do it. (laughs) You know? Sure. See, for me, it's worth it because I can migrate a good chunk of my PS4 games to my PS5 because I, that's what I play most of the time because I play with like Cozy, Cozy, if you're listening, Texas, and my dad. Um, (laughs) So like, it makes sense for me to, to make that move because I can just play on my PS5, you know? Yeah, but it still kind of doesn't make sense in the sense of you're paying like $500 to play games that you already own and can play. Like, I get what you're saying, that it makes sense on some level. But like for me, I'm like, but I can already play those games like $500 is not worth the convenience that they might load a little faster. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for me, it's also yeah. like I I specifically wanted the special edition Spider-Man PS5. So like that was also the part of it was like not only am I buying into getting a PS5, but I'm buying into getting the specific PS5 that I've wanted. Right. Like you really want it as a thing. Right. Where like I 
I was like, I kind of wanted it or thought it might be cool, but for the amount of money, it was like, it's not really going to be worth it for me at the moment, you know? Right. Um, which I also feel like if Cozy is listening and texting us right now, um, <laughs> I should continue on to say that, like, him gifting me that PS4 has been, like, such an awesome thing for me. Like, I just... I. The amount of games that I play now that I can, that I have the PS4, is, like, really, really great. And, uh, yeah, I just, like, super appreciate it. Like, thanks, man. That was, like, one of the coolest things anyone's ever done, like, to just text us and be like, hey, you can uh, you can have my PS4. Like, what a cool, kind thing. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, that was very nice of you, Cozy, if you're listening, which I assume you are, um, because you literally and i assume you're texting us yeah he texted us uh for everyone else he texted us earlier today listening to the most recent episode uh and and bantering with us about the the previously recorded episode yeah so it's it's been really cool like i love um i love like just play just like dipping my toes into like franchises and games that i previously couldn't like even still every once in a while i'll be like oh man like that game looks really cool but like i wouldn't be able to play it because i just have a switch and then i'm like oh i don't just have a switch like i still forget sometimes and then i have the cool moment of like oh that's amazing um that's like the bang for your buck thing to do if it's 2023 and you never got a ps4 is to like get it there's so many games on the ps4 that are worth playing yes. now still yeah for sure um or even if you have a ps5 a lot of them have free upgrades with the the ps4 um hard copies like a lot of them will upgrade to the digital version of the ps5 if you have the disc yeah it honestly like it just still blows my mind because like i don't know who is buying the PS5. Like, I know it's obviously hardcore, huge PlayStation people who want that upgrade, but, like, when I really looked at it and saw that there were, like, less than 10 exclusive games, it just blew my mind that it's, like, a product that that many people want and, like, is so sought after. Because I'm like, "Uh, what? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too cheap (laughs) when it comes to stuff like this, but it blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. You know, kind of in this vein, before we move on, um, I saw an interesting article on, I think, Game Rant uh, earlier today and yesterday, actually, on, I believe it was comicbook.com. They were talking about how Insomniac is basically like the sole developer of the PS5, like the one that's really carrying next-gen Sony, because... Some of the biggest games on PS5 are the Spider-Man Remaster, Insomniac, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Insomniac, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Insomniac, um, the highly anticipated Spider-Man 2, Insomniac, and the recently announced uh, Marvel's Wolverine, Insomniac. Wow, that is pretty wild. Yeah, like some of the PS5's biggest titles, largely exclusives, are insomniac so like everyone's like praising insomniac for basically carrying the ps5 right now in terms of exclusives yeah and probably from software as well i don't know if armored core 6 is an exclusive i don't know i know that demons the demon souls remake i think was a ps5 exclusive oh 
Yeah, I think that is true. And I maybe Armored Core is not, but that's another that's another one. Right. Let's see. And then you have Naughty Dog who's making the Last of Us games. But even then it's only uh, it's only two games from Naughty Dog that I that I can think all of. Oh, are the are the the remasters are exclusive? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it it's like well, and like the whole exclusive thing is such an interesting thing now. It it feels like antiquated. Like it feels like such a a GameCube era and like Halo era thing to be like, whoa. Because remember, people would be like, oh, well, that's the Halo box, and that's the you got win. Like, I, like I get that. Like, really, Nintendo lives and dies on its exclusives at this point. Yeah, but it feels like with just about anything else like there really aren't that many exclusives anymore or at least for me there aren't that many exclusives to pull me to one or the other in fact like if i was gonna dip my toe into a different next gen thing it would probably be xbox and that's because of game pass (laughs) yeah game pass is so good like playstation recently expanded playstation plus to be like game pass but game pass is still far superior it's just like such an insane deal for the amount of money. Like, especially if you're a person who has a video game podcast. Like, now that I'm saying it out loud, it feels like a little silly that I don't have it in some ways. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's weird that we're still living and dying and fighting over exclusives with systems. Like, when we have PC gaming, which carries like so much, like just about everything but Nintendo. And all, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's just odd. Right. Yeah, it is really weird because even um, Days Gone, which was a PlayStation exclusive, Spider-Man, and I think The Last of Us Part 1 remaster are all now available on PC and maybe the the 2018 God of War, I think. Yeah, God of War is, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, like, even PlayStation exclusives eventually make their way to uh, PC. Typically, right. Um, or Xbox. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, I'm very excited to talk about The Last of Us. That's for sure. Yeah, that one's coming up soon. Uh, stay tuned. That one's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool, man. Someday I'll get some next gen thing. Who knows? But my next system still may be whatever the next Switch is supposed to be next year, which is very exciting for me personally. Yeah. We're still waiting on an official reveal for that, right? Yeah, but, but the the leaks. It, yeah, the leaks have been like all but confirmed. Yeah, and maybe we should talk about this news too before because we haven't talked about it. But the word is that um, whatever the next Nintendo system is, we, we're all assuming it's a Switch too. But it it's been pretty obviously leaked by developers who have dev kits and stuff like that that it's pretty comparable to the quality of PlayStation 4 and Xbox One or whatever that generation is, uh-huh. um, which is still technically behind where the PS5 and the newest Xbox are, but, like, how exciting is that? <laughs> yeah, that is really cool, and that makes me wonder about, like, what Nintendo games are going to start to look like in terms of, like, they have the capability for them to be as powerful as the Xbox one and the PS4. So like, what does that mean for, you know, like 
the next generation of like Super Mario Odyssey or even and this might be opening a can of worms but like even Pokemon like are they going to actually like try and do something interesting with Pokemon you're shaking your head no and you're probably right but a guy can dream um and like and like Zelda think of what the Zelda team the Tears of the Kingdom team can do with like the power of the the equivalent of the power of the PS4 I honestly like my secret hope and this is like a this is like a total pipe dream that I don't think is going to happen but if they if they released like a Tears of the Kingdom that was like upscaled like a remastered version in like a PlayStation 4 level quality to like go with the new system I would buy it in an absolute heartbeat could you imagine I think a lot of people would myself included yeah so I don't even know if something like that is is possible or like could ever happen but oh my god oh my god it's not impossible right it's just like it feels like a pipe dream i don't know um but yeah i mean the word is like with metroid prime 4 specifically people think that that game is going to be a launch title for the next switch because they literally announced metroid prime 4 like four years ago and we've heard nothing and there's been a lot of public hirings at nintendo for metroid prime 4 and they were people who worked at like playstation studios they worked on god of war they worked on call of duty they worked on it's like oh nintendo hired all of these people who work on these crazy high scale triple a games to work on metroid prime 4 so that's prop metroid prime 4 is probably gonna look like a playstation 4 game which is like insane to think about wild right so yeah, it's it's very exciting. <laughs> very very interesting and exciting time to be a gamer. That's for yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah. So who knows? We're all assuming it's going to be like a follow up switch, like a switch two. It really should be. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I would with like Nintendo. It to be. It's hard to say. I would. I think everyone in the world would like it to be, and I think that Nintendo would be stupid not to do that. But with Nintendo, you just never know because they love to take weird swerves, especially when like something is very obvious and profitable. They love to not do it. <laughs> yeah, but like the Switch is like, I feel like Nintendo could really hone in on what the Switch is and what it's capable of, especially if it is as powerful as like the PS4. That in a handheld, like, uh, again, like, it would just put them on the map of of handheld gaming. Yeah, well, I have a theory, and we can talk about this for a while now, because now I'm into it. But my, my theory for what the next system is going to be, I think it is going to be a Switch 2, and I think the way that it's going to look is, instead of um, a dock, you're going to get, like, a physical box, and what you're going to do is you're going to take the handheld and slot it into the box itself. So I think the box that goes with the TV is going to look like a PS4 and it's going to be real, real powerful. And when you pull it off to play handheld, it's going to downscale in some way. But I, I think instead of a dock, you're going to get a full-on system with the Switch 2 and you're just going to slide the dock right in. Isn't that the most Nintendo like way they could do it that is very nintendo and that could either go really really well or really really wrong which is also 
like kind of in Nintendo's <laughs> like no it could only go great what could go wrong about that well I mean in terms of like you know look at the Wii U in terms of how innovative they were trying to be and it just totally flopped well but I, I think what I'm proposing is not innovative it's just literally like here's a more like because think about it how can they make the switch as powerful as a ps4 in the in the actual system that we have now there's no way they'd have to make it like real mad thick like a steam deck or something or they build the hardware into like an actual system and then you can still carry the switch around the same way you've always been able to i don't think it's innovative at all no i guess it's not in it's it's innovative in that it's not a dock. It's the system itself that it's attaching to. Yeah, but you could still pull the dock out and do your whole handheld thing. True. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a very interesting idea. Yeah, and I think I think the future of consoles is going to be like a weird world, like possibly weirder than we think, because the the world we're living in now, where every seven years we get a box that's way more powerful than the previous box... <laughs> It's just not it's not a realistic world anymore because the the returns are so diminishing at this point. Like I'll I'll go ahead and say it. Like my hot take is nothing needs to be more powerful than the PlayStation 4 for the rest of time. That system, everything on it looks stunningly beautiful. It's a powerful system. Like and the PS4 to the PS5 comparably is like a drop in the bucket compared to like the Nintendo 64 to like the GameCube. You know what I mean? Like we just, we don't have these big leaps in technology like we used to. That's true. So there's gotta be like a change in the way that companies build these systems. Cause it's just, they're not going to be like picture the PS six. It's not like they're going to come out with some crazy, even more insane technology. It's already like so cutting edge and insane. You can't advance it that much more. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That said, for the PlayStation 6, bring the bring the actual PSP back. Like the PlayStation Oh my god, the, you and your, the PlayStation you and your PSP, man. <laughs> the PlayStation Portal, which is the newly released or newly announced soon to be released quote unquote handheld companion for the PS5 like I don't know. It's not it's not what the it ugh. I just I'm disappointed by it. I think a lot of people are cuz they could have done like hey, here's a whole a whole new handheld system and it's PlayStation and it connects to your PS5, but instead they just went, "Hey, here's a cool-looking tablet that uh allows you to to remote play your PS5." Have fun. Yeah, well, right. And by the way, that's what I predicted they were going to do. Like, you said they were going to do handheld, and I was like, yeah, I think they're just going to do, like, a remote play thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's lame. But, like, I mean, there's a reason that no one's done it before Nintendo, because it's not that easy to build a system that can... Because, again, think about how powerful a PS5 game is that you would have to run it on a hand. Like, you, you know what I mean? You're talking about carrying around a laptop worth of hardware. Steam Deck did it. Yeah, and that thing's big and chunky, and it's not as powerful as a PS5. True. But And you're right that Steam Deck did it, but they're the first people ever to do it. Like, people have been trying to do that forever, 
Um, and they also did it with like varying degrees of success of games too. Like that's true. You can run Elden Ring on it, which is a miracle, but like there are lots of indie games that don't run on it because the hardware is like wonky and those games weren't built specifically for it. So it's, it's a tough thing to pull off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, man, the PSP, like it was a flash in the pan, but it really shouldn't have been, you know? Why? I don't know. It was just like, maybe it's just me. I just thought it was so like fun and cool and like interesting that uh, PlayStation had something that maybe didn't quite rival Nintendo in terms of handheld, but like in that era, it was Nintendo. It was Nintendo. And then PlayStation was like, we got you, hold my beer, and released the PSP, and no one else did anything like that except Nintendo because they were already doing it. Yeah. And then they just I don't know. stopped. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just really not that drawn towards the idea of a PSP. Um, and... Like, my other hot take with the Switch is, like, I'm not even really that drawn to the handheld part of the Switch either, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm excited for, if they did launch something like that, I would be excited for you and people like you. But for me, it's just not, I don't think it's that cool. And I think, I don't know. I don't know. It might be successful. It might not be. But, like, that's not, like, their... That's not their niche, PlayStation. You know, they're not. No, I know. Nailing the handheld life. Nintendo's always nailed the handheld life. Yeah, I honestly felt like PlayStation nailed it in in the era that it was released because, like, it was released in an era where everyone was obsessed with like iPods and iPads and, uh, you know, like what what can this handheld portable thing do and playstation could do it all like the psp did it all because it was literally a tiny ps3 yeah and it failed spectacularly it did and i'm so bummed about it yeah it's actually crazy because i feel like i remember like when the ps3 came out and it was like oh it can do blu-rays and it can do netflix and it can do and like it's funny, like, that was such a forward-thinking idea that, like, now... It, it That idea works better in 2023 than it did in, like, 2010 or whatever because at that time, everyone was like, well, what do I need a PlayStation to listen to my music for? I just... I have an iPod for that. I just want it to play games. And, like, that whole we're going to do this crazy media center player thing just, like, was not successful for anybody because people just want to play games, I think. Yeah. Well, now I have the last laugh because in a world where no one has a CD player, but everyone, well, maybe not everyone, but a bunch of people still have like CD collections. I have my PS2, which plays CDs and my, my CD collection. So, ha! I mean, I have a computer. Does it have a disk drive? No, but disk drives are like $15. Yeah, but even so, like, that's just, you have to go out and get a peripheral to do you know what i mean like i don't know in a world where everything is digitized but if you want to use analog media like there's a step you have to take instead of just being able to do it 
Yeah, but that step is fifteen dollars versus like a PSP was probably like two hundred fifty. Yeah, I don't know. See, this is this is where I think like you're you're in the minority because I think most people, if they want to play DVDs, are happy to get a DVD player, and if they want to play CDs, they're happy to get a CD player. I just don't think that whole we're gonna package all of the media into one thing is appealing for most people because. Right, because picture you have, you, I have a DVD drive. Like I have a peripheral already. Already, so if they were like, the Nintendo Switch Two can play DVDs, but it's as a result, it's gonna be a hundred dollars more expensive. I'd be like, well, a, I already have a DVD player, so I didn't care about that. And B, the thing that I wanted is more expensive, and I just wanted it to do the one thing I wanted it to do. Well, yeah, but you're talking about a new system. I'm talking about like. Back in the day when people, when there was a market for that. But there never was a market for it. Like, it, people were outraged that the PS3 cost $600 and also no one cared about Blu ray. <laughs> so, like, had they cut the Blu ray player out of the PlayStation 3 and made it $150 cheaper, people would have just been like, great, a next gen system that plays <laughs> my games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. It, they, for me, like, and maybe this is the way I aged, but like for me, I'm really glad that my PS4 can play DVDs and Blu-rays because I still have and enjoy those things. Like, I don't know. So do I, but I have a DVD player. See, I don't because I never needed one because I had PlayStation. Right. But like, you didn't go out and buy it for that. It was a plus i mean like and i it was like and i think most people who most people who care enough about watching dvds already own they're not going to be like thank god i could finally watch my dvd like no they went out and bought a dvd player already probably i guess for me right I, well yeah i guess for me the difference at the time was my parents had a dvd player and i had dvds but i didn't have a dvd player but then i got a ps4 and then boom i had one Mm. yeah i can see the appeal of that you know yeah again it's just like i think i think the biggest downfall with that is they're bundling in a thing that most people don't want right. with the compromise of it's more expensive so now people are like well i didn't even want that and now i have to pay way more for a thing i didn't want in the first place yeah whereas like if you want it you just buy the peripheral yeah i suppose that's true so anyway that's next-gen systems for everybody. <laughs> and that's today's tangent. So, Trevor, tell me how this Star Wars game relates to the other Star Wars game we talked about. Oh, yeah, you had asked me that. So, uh, my game is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is the immediate sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And it takes place, I think, f I think they said five years after um which that's the one we talked about right yes we talked about that one on a previous episode that was one of my games cool um so you find the main character cal kestis who's a jedi five years later um not running with the crew he ran with in the first one he's running with a new crew and um so you find him with a new crew and then in the like this might be a spoiler, but maybe not. In the first, like, I don't know, three hours, 
his new crew, most of them die. <laughs> so, whoa, yeah, it, it escalates real fast. Um, so you're left with whoa. you're left with one new character whose name is Bode, um, and he has a jetpack, and he he's basically a companion for you. Um, there's a command where you can make him like go off in the distance and you can like see him do something with his jetpack and he like opens a new passage for you. Um, and like that introduces you to like this new system of having companions that have different abilities. Um, okay. So like there's, there's Bode who has his jetpack and he like goes and opens things for you. Um, there's Marin who can basically teleport and do this, not the same thing, but like she, she can like bring you across like dangerous things, basically. Like if there's like a bubbling pool of lava, she can like teleport across it as opposed to like flying off. And I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so you find, uh, you escape the empire from the planet Coruscant. You're working with rebels and that's like the prologue is you're, you're fighting the empire. You learn that you're running with, um, one of the leaders of the rebellion who his name is Saw Gerrera. Um, so you find out you're working for him in the rebellion and then the empire basically chases you off the planet which brings you to another planet where you find your old pale Grease, and I'm giving you a play-by-play because that's the entire prologue. When you get to the planet Grease is on, uh, you basically make a discovery that the planet he just happens to be on uh, used to be home to the old Jedi Council like years and years ago in what's called the Old Republic era. Um, so it was like before any of the movies take place and you find out that one of the Jedi might still be alive and you're like, Oh cool. We're cause the whole thing of the first one was we're going to try and rebuild the Jedi order. So when you find out that there might be a Jedi and a secret, um, you find out that there might be a Jedi left over and a secret planet that's like basically hidden within a black hole. Um, you're like, cool. I can restart the order. And this guy knows how to do it. Um, Like, he knows how to get into this black hole, basically. So you uh, traverse some stuff, and you find this tank with this dude who's, like, all messed up. He's, like, missing an arm and stuff. And he looks real, he's in real rough shape. So you open it up, and you hand him his lightsaber that was next to the tank. And you're like, hey, I helped you. Can you help me? Like, we're going to be rebuild the Jedi Order. And in, in like, five seconds, he's, like, he just goes off the deep end, and he's, like, real angry. And he, you find out that he's actually a Sith now and not a Jedi. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you have a fight with him, and then he takes off with a bunch of bad guys called the Bedlam Raiders. Bedlam Raiders? Something like that. So the game goes from I need to I need to restart the Jedi Order um, in a secret wormhole to 
I need to make sure that the bad guy doesn't get into the wormhole before me because he, who knows what he's capable of. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like the gist of the game. That's, that's the, the main story without real specific spoilers and stuff. So that's, that's like what you need to know about the game in terms of like story. So, now I can tell so you how the game So you're still trying works. to revive you're still trying to revive the order but like now one of your supposed allies has like become um an enemy. Right. So at the same time you're fighting the empire and this other dude who's basically leading raiders which is bad. Do they do the I see I don't know if you said this and it like went over my head cuz I didn't get it but mm-hmm. does he explain like why he has uh turned against you guys he does so basically something happened um where the jedi council he feels like the jedi council betrayed him because he proposed like oh all the jedi should just go hide in this this like black hole and we can you know we can like thrive there and all this stuff and the jedi council basically told him like kick rocks um that's stupid Gotcha. And so he's he's like super mad about that and he's mad about um there was a there was an uprising against the republic and like they like turned on the Jedi and he's like really mad about that. So he's, you know, it's it's classic Sith stuff in Star Wars like they get real angsty and they're like, "Oh, I was betrayed and now I'm mad and I don't know how to control my feelings." Um so like, and I got a blue lightsaber. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm real angry about I'm it. Real mad now. Um, so <laughs> that's so that's like all you need to know about the like where you find yourself after the events of the first one. So what makes this game different than the first one? Glad you asked. So that's what I was about to ask. <laughs> so this game introduces a whole new mechanic called stances. Um, So in the last game, you had one lightsaber or you could have a dual blade and that was it. You could like switch between the two. This game like really leans into that and expands on it. So they introduced stances. So um, with the press of a button, you can switch between having one lightsaber or the dual blade but then you can also like unlock and change one of them. Uh, so you can have like dual blade and do wield um, or uh, one of the other ones was like, it's called the blaster stance and you use one lightsaber in one hand and a blaster in the other. And you can like shoot enemies. And then like, as you reload, you have to like, strike the enemy in order to reload with the lightsaber. So um, there's one called uh, something guard. I don't remember what it's called. It's, it's something guard stance. And that one, like you haven't seen any star Wars movies, right? So like if I reference a character, you like won't know who that is. No, not since I was like six or something. Okay. No. So, you know, like the old school medieval swords, that have like the two things that protect your hand. Like if you're holding the hilt and it has the two things that like stick out. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Yep. Okay. 
So there's a lightsaber that has those, and it has like little lightsaber blades that stick out on the side and acts as those. They're little lightsaber blades? Yes. That's um, cool. Yeah, so like that's a stance, and that's that's basically like a claymore. Like it's a two-handed sword version um, as opposed to like, I guess what you would equate to like a broadsword with the one blade. Yeah. Um, so there's like a bunch of different stances, which is really cool. Um, those are just some of the, my favorites um, or the ones that I use the most, I guess. Uh, th- and then they also, int- also introduce like actual side quests instead of just like going through the world and feeling like a Tomb Raider game. It starts to feel more like God of War 2018 where you have like side quests and you can like go off and do things that you see in the world, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, because the first game had like a big Metroidvania twist to it was sort of the thing, right? Like you could go back and use your new abilities to, to find things and access new areas. Right. And you can still do that. Like that's still, in fact, they probably, I think, I feel like they expanded on that too. Um but now they've added like side quests and characters who like give you stuff to do and things to collect and you can exchange those for cosmetics or skill points or uh, like different abilities and stuff. Um, so they give you like way more to do and collect, which is nice. It feels yeah, it feels more like fleshed out instead of feeling like a, a room tater game. And is it like a is it like a quasi open world or is it kind of doing the God of War Last of Us thing where like you're going to point and they're explaining exposition while you go there but you kind of have to go this way and you have to push that block over to access the new area it's kind of one of those yeah it's that I don't think you'd like this game uh, especially because no I'd hate it yeah especially because you're not a Star Wars fan like for Star Wars fans I think this game is like really phenomenal. And, like, the gameplay is, like, cool and interesting and stuff, but they also do very Star Wars-y things. Like, the music is very in that world, and, like, the way, the way like, even the cutscenes look and happen and transition, like, those feel like Star Wars-y things. But to someone who's not a Star Wars fan, like, I think this game would either fall flat or just completely suck. Yeah, no, I would definitely hate it. Uh, it's doing like specifically that thing that I hate about games. But at least in the sense that, well, if you're playing this game because you love the movies, at least it would make sense that the presentation would resemble the the movies, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's it's very interesting and fun to play because like they like I said they still do like that Metroidvania thing where it's like. I don't know how to cross this, so I'll just move on. And then you get a new ability, and you're like, oh, now I can cross that thing. And you can go back and rediscover things in that world. Um, but for me as a player, like, I don't play a lot of Metroidvanias or games that even have that mechanic. So like, for me, it's just kind of like there, you know? Right. Um, but it's, I know it's cool for other people to experience that but for me it's kind of like well i mean don't you just make it don't you just feel like the world is like more organic and real because like 
I I didn't before I knew what a Metroidvania was. When I played those types of games, it just felt interesting because because if if you're paying attention to the world and you're rewarded for it, like there's like an aha moment when you're playing your first Metroidvania style game of like, oh well, I just got a gun or like a like a bomb that allows me to like blow up these like crazy big walls. But then you suddenly realize that you've passed. 50 walls like that in the place that you've gone like it just makes the game feel more like a world because you have like agency within it where like you're like oh i know where i can use this ability and it allows you as a player to like access new things you know what i mean yeah that's true um yeah i guess that's true although for me like you know this about me too i'm not that big on like puzzly type stuff either so i just i don't know it's just kind of like i mean i don't think it's puzzly i just my my thought especially in a star wars game is like now you would feel more like the world that you're playing in the world that the developers are creating like feels more real to you as a player because as opposed to being taken on a disneyland tour from this town to this town to this town you're like oh well this world is like dynamic and i like the actions I make in this world affect like I can find rewards and I can find new side quests and I can, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's a better way of looking at it. Like it just, it makes the game world feel more like a world because your actions within it allow you to explore and like improve yourself and like have agency. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, speaking of making it feel more like a world, um, there's a new mechanic that they introduced, which is uh, called taming. And basically you can like Jedi mind trick an animal into letting you ride it and stuff. Um, <laughs> so nice. there's a variety of different animals across different planets that you can use to traverse the landscape of that planet um, with a specific animal, which is fun. That's pretty neat. And really cute. Cause like, of course, they're very Star Wars-y looking animals. So, like, one of them's basically a llama with two legs um, that you can ride. And one of them's, like, a bat with, like, a really cute fuzzy face. <laughs> like, you, he, like, flies you around. And one's one's called a spammel, and it's literally a giant camel. That's awesome. Yeah. Who sends spam emails to your Gmail address. Yeah, he's like, ha ha, now you have to answer all my spam. <laughs> I'll let you pass if you can answer my riddles three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, cool. So it sounds like if you liked Star Wars and if you liked the other Star Wars game, uh, it's a good game and it follows up in the sequel in like what you would want it to do. Yeah, yeah, and like, if you really love like the God of War and Tomb Raider and the last of us, like it would probably be a fun play, but it's definitely worth way more as a star Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I wish I had more to say about it. I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's, that it's good and that people like it. Um, Especially because people really liked the first one, too. But it sounds like it's kind of just doing the same jam again. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, aside from, like, um, like new abilities for your droid buddy and 
the stances mechanic. That's probably one of the biggest differences are the added stances. Yeah, it sounds like they gave you a lot more um, choice. Yes. In like how you can approach combat situations, which is cool. Yeah, and the combat feels and looks so good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It came out this year, right? Uh, Yeah, like March or April or something. Yeah. This year's stacked for games, man. I'm very stacked. I'm assuming you're not that far into it. Maybe I'm wrong to assume uh, that you're not that far into this I'm, game. I'm... I think a little more than halfway. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've I've definitely dumped at least at least ten to fifteen hours minimum. Nice. Yeah, so I think I'm like halfway through the story. I played all day today, um, or like most of the day today, trying to beat it, but then realizing I wasn't that close to the end as I thought I was. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's cool. I'll definitely never play it. Yeah, I know you won't. It was just, it was fun for me to play, and it's interesting to talk about. And, you know, I've been playing so many other games. That's that's the one I'm farthest in and that I'm, like, ready to talk about the most and probably most excited to talk about of the other games I'm playing. Yeah. It just makes me excited to talk more about uh, The Last of Us. <sighs> I'm so excited to talk about that game. I have so many thoughts um yeah nice but especially i mean the i don't know we'll talk a lot more about this on the episode but like it's like now that i've like seen the last of us and what it is it's like oh well you look at this the game you're talking about or god of war 2018 or tomb raider and like to see that the last of us is like the game that pioneered that style i think has been it's been valuable for me to just see the first one that did it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And like the one that the one that was successful and like why it was successful at that format or whatever. Um it's just it's given me a new insight into games like the one that you're talking about, you know? Right. Yeah. Um nice. Anything else to say or should we switch a roo? I think we're good to switch a roo. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So today, uh, keeping with the star theme, Trevor, I'm talking about a game called Sea of Stars. Heard of it. Never played it. Should I? I, yeah, I think you should. Okay. Um, Let me give you all the background of this game. Um, So, Sea of Stars, there's this game that came out uh, many years ago called The Messenger, which is this uh, indie sort of like Ninja Gaiden-like almost, where you play as this ninja in like side-scrolling action, which was like an absolute banger in like 2018 or whenever it came out. It was like the indie game of the year, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like it was like Shovel Knight levels of success, basically. Okay. Um, And so I played that game. I loved it. It's amazing. But they announced uh, a couple years later that they are working on a sequel to the messenger but that it is a um it's a pixel art jrpg with turn-based combat that is heavily influenced by um chrono trigger and final fantasy and everyone was like i'm sorry what though huh <laughs> you're you're following up your side-scrolling action platformer with 
a JRPG and uh, like apparently it's just been a huge passion project of the devs that they've always wanted to do it. So it got kickstarted by like a million billion people. Everyone was like, it looks amazing. Um, and here it is. It came out in 2023 and I've been so excited for it. Yeah. I remember you, I remember you being excited for this game be because it was the follow-up to the messenger or because you were excited of like what they were going to do with it in terms of like the way they approached it. Yeah, I mean, I've been excited for it since, like, I played Octopath Traveler and Dragon Quest Eleven, and I was like, oh, man, I think I like turn-based JRPGs. Like, I wonder what that space is like with other games. And at that time, I saw the Kickstarter trailer for this game and saw that it was by the Messenger people, and I, like, have been excited for this game for actually, like, five years. Huh. Okay. Yeah, um... And so, you know, last year in like a Nintendo Direct, they were like, it's finally coming next year. And people were like, yay. Um, So and you know nothing about Chrono Trigger. Not really. No. Correct. Which that's like we need to make a list of like historically important games like The Last of Us and other games of that caliber that like we need to do on the show. Because Chrono Trigger is such like a hugely important like monumental game. That is such a long list for me. Do you do you realize that is a long list for me? I mean, Mr. I play I never played Zelda until Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but. Well, right. But you have played some Zelda games now. Now. But in terms of, yeah. like, historic, I mean, like, important games, like, I haven't played a lot of them. I mean, like, Shadow of the Colossus. Nope. There are just, like, there are games that, like, I can't think of that many. The two that come to mind are Chrono Trigger and Shadow of the Colossus. And guess but those what? are, like, two. What? I haven't played either of those. No, I know. But those two games are games that... Every person on earth who has played those games have agreed like holy crap this game is amazing. Like I have I've genuinely never met anybody who's had a hot take on either of those games that are like, "Well, they're really popular, but actually like no, everyone plays those games and they're like, "Wow, these games are amazing." And like I don't know, I feel like it's like whenever I bring up a game like Chrono Trigger and you haven't played it, I'm like, oh my God, you need to at least know something about it. It's just like one of those like huge <laughs> games. You know what I mean? I'm like, I get stressed when I hear you haven't played it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, all of that is to say that like when they announced the trailers and, and very clearly showed in the gameplay, like this is a game that is influenced by Chrono Trigger. Like that was a really, really huge deal that they wanted to go after that style. Huh. Um, So let's talk about the plot. So in Sea of Stars, you actually play as two um, like silent ish protagonists who you, you get to choose their brother and sister named uh, Valerie and Zale you get to pick which one you main mainline, but like they both play in turn-based combat, so you basically play as like two main characters. Didn't you just? Um, wasn't the last game you talked about like that that you could pick whether you were the brother or the sister? Uh, maybe. Why am I blanking on what game I talked about last time? It was. The heck was this, what's the name of it? Uh, I, it doesn't matter. I'm looking at the list of 
things that are crossed up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think you're right that I did do that. Um, so you, the two of you play, you are solstice warriors. So one of you, I believe Zale controls the power of the sun and Valerie controls the moon. Um, and it's sort of this like prophecy situation where you like, you grow up and like solstice warriors are only born like every 10 years or something. It's kind of like an avatar adjacent sort of thing. Um, and solstice warriors are the only people in the world who can harm dwellers, which are like these sort of like massive otherworldly, like demonic monsters that like, um, they like grow and they like destroy parts of the world. And there's like this long history of like dwellers, like destroying society or like threatening to bring the world to collapse. And like solstice warriors being the only people who can, um, who can protect the world from their like madness. Um, and the opening of this game is like really kind of odd. It's like one of the things that has made people made it like controversial. So you start as Valerie and Zale and you're off on this like excursion. Um, and you're like climbing a mountain or whatever. And maybe like 15 minutes into the game, you sit down at a campfire and you start, they start talking about Garl who they really miss and at that moment, they launch you into like a, into like a two-hour-long flashback, which simultaneously serves as like the cutscene, but it, or serves as the tutorial, but it's also filled with like cutscenes that really fill in the backstory of what it is that you're uh, doing. Okay. I should also say too, like before I get too far into it, if you want to play this game even a little, go play this game. Twitter claps in between words. You're going to love it. Like, I should have said that first before we started, but whoever you are, if you want to play this game, you're going to love it. It's awesome, and it's amazing. It's great. Okay. <laughs> um, So, basically, it cuts back. Valerie and Zell are young kids, and you're with your friend Garl, who is like this uh, sort of like chubby little lovable dude. Um, who like loves to cook. He's very happy-go-lucky, and I can promise you that whoever you are on planet Earth, you are going to love Garl. Garl is like immediately the heart of this story, and uh, he he's like amazing. But so, you know, you're a bunch of, a couple of rambunctious kids getting into trouble, uh, and the three of you decide to set off and go into like the cave that's just outside town, right? And you're like, yeah, we're a bunch of solstice warriors. Dad, my... My dad can't tell me what to do, whatever, even though you're, like, not supposed to. <laughs> um, and uh, you, um, you, go into the, you go into this cave, and, like, you quickly get ambushed by, like, these scorpion monsters. And in, like, what is a pretty horrifying scene, um, like, one of them, like, like, stabs Garl in the eye and, like, basically blinds his eye. And, and like, everybody, like, you guys are horrified. It's a really, like, gut-wrenching scene. But um, the headmaster who's training you is, like, well, if you guys are, are so ready to take on the world, then, like, then I'm taking you out of the town and I'm putting you into full-time training, if that's what you've decided. So you are, you are separated from Garl, and you spend the next 10 years isolated from the town and your family, like just training to be solstice warriors. It's yeah, it's pretty like wild of a setup. That's yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Um, 
and they they throw so much lore at you. That's like another thing too is like they really tell you a lot about like what the dwellers are and like the history of the world and like what solstice warriors are and stuff. And it's like it's kind of like a lot of lore to take in in the first hour. You're like, I don't really understand what's what's going on here. Um, but after after this like great segment of like training and you go up this mountain and you have to fight like this cool little he's sort of like a tutorial boss but he's also like a like a sensei sort of who's like teaching you all of the mechanics of the the combat and stuff you you come out of your flashback and um garl who you haven't seen in 10 years like pops out of a bush and is like hey guys like i'm here to come with you on your adventure and and you two are like dog are you serious like the last time we see you you got like brutalized by a monster and like you, you like you cannot come on this journey it's very clear that only solstice warriors can um but carl's like nah dude like i could cook for you who's gonna cook meals for you and like restore your health and they're kind of like well he's got yeah, us there right, <laughs> yeah um so and it's really great because like in terms of like how these games handle classes they sort of are like really cheeky where they're like oh garl's garl the warrior cook has joined your your party oh so like that's his class in the game is he's a warrior cook um which is which is great so like not only are you these uh prophesized heroes but like garl who isn't even supposed to be on this journey joins you on this journey and it like is constantly like the comic relief and you're just gonna you just love him so much okay um yeah, so it's great. Like I don't I don't really want to get into the story beyond that because I will say um this game has a really really great story and um I don't want to say is like presented in like the way that uh lots of game present stories, but like it's a very it's a very story driven game in what you do and the characters you meet. Um you know, it's it's sort of like an open world thing but there's lots of towns to explore and lots of side quests and it it really is just like a it's just like a universe that they've created this little self-contained amazing universe that is really fun to explore and like learn about and meet characters you know yeah um which is one of the reasons i think that like maybe you should play it or would really like it because it, it just has a really rich lore and um and narrative it's a really it's very moving um yeah so any comments or should i get more into the gameplay no stuff? hit me with more i'm ready for more so uh it it's like this game is so obviously influenced by all of all of like retro gaming like the the way you explore the overworld almost it's very much like a final fantasy but it almost looks like super mario uh, three a little bit in huh. like the little overworld map and you have tiny adorable sprites um that go from place to place I'm gonna look this up. oh yeah the the pixel the pixel art is just like unbelievably um unbelievably good in this game at every turn um so it it really like to my mind this game is one of those games that blends it blends all different 
types of, of things that many games are trying to do into a package that really makes sense. Like, the first thing that's really odd about it in a great way is that, like, when you are exploring the world, it's not like a Pokemon or other typical RPGs where you just walk around and the only things to interact with are text boxes. You, like... You have to, like, jump over ledges and, like, climb up onto ledges and skirt across them, like, God of War style, or climb up, wall like, rock walls and things. And so, like, the world feels very alive because it's incredibly interactive, and you have to, like, solve puzzles to get around and and jump over things, you know? Yeah. I'm, lo- um, I'm looking at pictures of the overworld, and I, I see what you mean about, like, having that Super Mario World 3 feel. Yeah, um, but it it's just like really unusually interactive for a JRPG in a way that feels like really refreshing and new because the world is just is super alive. Um, but the the other thing too that they borrowed directly from Chrono Trigger, which makes this game feel really alive, is the turn based battles happen in the overworld where you encounter the enemies. So it's not a there's no random encounters. The enemies are just out walking along the world, like in, in the path that you're exploring. And when you come into contact with them, um, they just like your characters and the enemies find a position on screen and spread out. And you just do the combat in the world directly. There's no like cutscene to another place. You know Oh, that's I mean? cool. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know, like, I feel like that is such a, it feels like such a minor detail when you say it out loud, but when you actually see it in action, I feel like it goes such a long way to making the game feel refreshing and feel organic, you know what I mean? Because there's a suspension of disbelief that happens when you go into a cutscene to a new place with a new background and are fighting enemies. Like, that's not a bad format, but the way that they're doing it in this game, it's like, oh, well, it would make sense that you would fight enemies in the world diegetically. It's awesome. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, And it also, like, similar to Super Mario RPG or other um, Mario RPGs, all of the attacks that you and the enemy do have a timing to them that will allow you to do more damage if you pull it off successfully, but will also minimize damage that enemies do to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, which It's one of those things that I just love when, when turn-based RPGs do that, and they do it really well. Because, again, it just adds another layer of, like, I don't need to suspend my disbelief as to, like, why I'm fighting this enemy. You just get immersed in, like, how to fight them more effectively. Right. It's it's really awesome. And, like, it also adds this element of mastery that, like, when, it, when you walk to a new area or a new island or whatever and suddenly there are new enemies to fight, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I have to learn these enemies' patterns so that I can... Uh, like defend myself against them better. Like I was always excited to fight new enemies and, and really get my hands on like, what's the best way to take them down. Yeah. Um, God, there's so much more to this combat as well. That makes it great. Um, the other thing is that enemies will project when they're about to do a magic attack, which does like a ton of damage typically. Um, but when they're about to do a magic attack, they, 
these icons appear over their head, which basically become their weaknesses. So, like, it might have two swords and then, like, a sunball icon and then a moon icon. And that means that if, if you can hit that enemy with two sword attacks and a sunball attack and a, and a moon attack before their turn comes, you can negate their magic entirely. Oh, that's cool. Right. So all of the enemies have a have a timer above their head, which if it says like three, that means in three moves um, they're going to attack. But if they also have the icons, you know you have three moves to, okay, can I stop this enemy from hitting me? Because um, they will kill you. <laughs> um, and like not always, but bosses will will mess you up if they if they do that. So there's like this strategic element of planning out who's going to do what moves at what time. That's cool. Yeah. Um you also get these little things called like boost orbs which add an element every time every time you attack enemies which is great you restore MP automatically which is like why doesn't every RPG do that? Yeah. <laughs> because like Unfortunately, just choosing attack in any RPG is like the most boring thing you can do, right? Like right. I don't just want to press A and press attack, but when you when you choose attack in this game, A, you're going to restore some MP, but B, you also have to like time the attack to do more damage. So it just it feels satisfying no matter what you do. So you restore MP and also when you do a standard attack, enemies uh emit these like they're called boost orbs. And I think at any time the battlefield can be filled with three boost orbs. And so anytime a character takes a turn, you can hold down R to absorb one boost orb or two or three, which will power up your attack. And it will also add a magic element to your attack. Oh, that's as well. cool. Right. So if, if like an enemy has a sword and a sun over their head and only one turn, you're like, okay, well, if I, if I switch to Zale, who's the sun guy, and I have a boost orb on the battlefield, I can boost him up and hit him with the sword, but because I'm boosted, it will do sun damage as well. And, like, also, if the enemies are weak to sun. So, it feels like at every moment, like, everything in the game is, like, rewarding smart choices and making combat feel interesting and, and different and strategic. It's not just, like, I'm going to go in and mash down attack to level up my dudes as much as possible. Right. That is really cool. Yeah. God, I just like I feel like they they thought they thought about every little detail of the combat system to make it feel fun and rewarding and interesting in a way that's not just like every other RPG. Right. Um another thing I love is that if you're if one of your characters die, they just are revived within a certain amount of turns. I like that too. Yeah, so if one of your characters die, they'll have, like, three spinning stars above their head <laughs> to show that they're knocked out, which is cute. Yeah. But the how many stars are around their head is how many turns until they come back to life. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's really great because you don't have to worry about reviving and healing magic and all that stuff. You just have to, like, all right, let me get my head on straight and, like, make sure I can survive until that character comes back. Um, which is good because the enemies in this game will kill you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> they they I don't want to say it's like a hard game, but it's it's different where like most RPGs enemies do very, very little damage and what you have to do is like manage you have to use your character who's a healer and manage the amount of heals that you're gonna have as you travel the world. Mm -hmm. 
Um, in this game, you don't really have to manage healing the same way um, because if your characters die, they're going to come back. Oh, and I forgot that there's a whole crafting and cooking system as well with Garl. Oh, dang. <laughs> so when you... When you uh, when you explore the island, it almost it's almost like feels Stardew Valley inspired a little bit. You gather like wheat and grains and tomatoes and you like you gather ingredients as you travel. And when you go to a bonfire to rest and heal your character, you also can choose from a list of meals to cook that all have different benefits. And also your meals are limited. You can only carry 10 at a time. Oh, okay. So this game, this game's way of of managing healing, is more of like a crafting cooking system. But again, they don't just want you to cook five hundred meals and have it right. all in your bag. You you know you only have ten at a time, and you have to like prepare for what you what you might need if there's a boss battle coming up or whatever. Which is is really smart. Yeah, that is interesting. Strategic cooking, I like it. Yeah, because again, like everything in this game is just built around fun and built around being interactive, and it's so good. Um, yes. Really, the biggest thing I haven't touched yet is that um, when you really get into this game and get into um, there are there are lots of dungeons, and this game is almost like a Zelda light metroidvania huh. as well how so 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 um there are lots of puzzles in the world that you have to solve to progress but when you get to the dungeons they just become like straight up zelda dungeons oh so in the first in the first i'm calling them dungeons. they're not set up like zelda dungeons they're like i think the first quote-unquote dungeon is you go to this like town of of mole people who live <laughs> at the top of this mountain and um they're uh god what's his name there's there's like a specific mole in the town who's like their um he's like their alchemist like he's their smart alchemist but he's gone into like um the excavate he's like excavated this mountain out and made it into this like giant lair but he's like training all of these monsters in there um, and so you have to like go into the excavated remains of this like mountain, but the first ability you get is you get like this little wind push where like your character puts out their hand and it pushes a gust of wind, but that allows you to push all of these blocks around a lot like a Zelda game mm -hmm. and like solve puzzles. And if I put this block here, oh, now I can hop on top of this block and climb up onto this ledge. Um, but the game is just is just filled with puzzles that are just out in the world. It feels like you're playing a Zelda game. It's like so I can't believe that they did it. That's cool. <laughs> it's yeah, it's really cool and like it's really sweet. Like the to spoil the little arc of that first dungeon is like basically the mole went down there because like basically because he's an awkward Poindexter and like the rest of the town like people were were picking on him and bullying him so. He went down there and, like, became friends with this, like, giant lizard creature. But, like, he wasn't trying to, like, mess up the town. He was just like, well, this lizard creature is my only friend. Aww. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Garl, like, soothes his heart and is, like, like, basically tells him, like, you know, like, it's okay that you're not friends with everybody and it's okay that you're socially awkward. And, like, yeah, he's just, like, a misunderstood uh 
like doof is like the first villain that's, boss fight that you have to that's so sweet yeah this game has a just such a wholesome energy like through and through like everything that happens in it will warm your heart and make you feel optimistic as well that's really adorable yeah quick sidebar before i gush more um i will say that there was a point in this game um that like will stay with me for the rest of my life as like one of the most moving things i've ever experienced in a game there was there was um a day it was a saturday and stacy left to go um bring our cardboard to the dump not an interesting sidebar but (laughs) i'm glad she left when she did because trevor at this point in the game i was ugly crying alone in my living room like like i'm talking i'm talking like i'm a sobbing changed person after what happened in the story of this game and i was like literally sitting there like thank god stacy is not home like i wouldn't want anybody to see me in this state but like when i tell you that this game has like changed me and has become like an all timer for me. It's it really is truly something else. That's wild. I I can't picture you. I'm not. You and I have been friends for a long time. I don't remember. Aside from your wedding, I don't think I remember ever seeing you cry even a little bit. So to think of you like ugly crying over a video game is wild to me. Well, and I'm a bit of a crier when it comes to media and movies and video games. I don't know if you do that about, but I'm definitely like a crier. I didn't. I can't picture that because you're not you're not like a real world crier, usually. No. Well, I think that's part of it. Is like there are certain things in movies and TV shows that like when they happen will like consistently make me cry. But I think it's because because I don't cry as much in the real world that I'm like, all right, this is like a safe space and a safe moment for me to let it out you know interesting yeah but no but like yeah dude i'm talking like i was in console like if stacy was there it would not have been like i can hold it like i was inconsolably crying it was that's really sweet and sad and cute yeah it's it's a great story and like i think that's i think the thing that this game has done Because, like, putting itself up against Chrono Trigger was, like, not a smart move and not a fair thing to do because, again, Chrono Trigger is one of the best games of all time. But I think that this game really lives up to its promise because of just the sense of adventure and the, the things that you will do throughout the adventure of this game will, like, surprise you and amaze you and, like, are constantly beautiful the game is constantly fun and interesting in a way that many, many games aren't. But, like, by the end of it, you feel like you really, truly went on an adventure and, like, went to crazy places and saw crazy things and, like, went on a journey with characters, you know? Yeah, that's really sweet and wholesome. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I would recommend it to you, but I would recommend it to anybody. I think... I think for you especially, if there was any JRPG I was going to say would be one that you should play, I would say it's this one because because of the systems. And, like, it's interesting. I think if have you had you not told me that this was a JRPG with turn-based combat, I, I think you wouldn't even realize it because 
again, like you're going through the world, the world is interactive, you're solving puzzles, you're climbing ledges, and when you fight enemies, it just happens to be turn-based. So, like, you, I don't know, I think if I was a kid playing this, I wouldn't think of it as different than any other game. I would just be like, yeah, well, when I fight enemies, like, we just go in an order. But it, it feels so organically built into the way that you do everything else in this game that it, it, it like, makes sense, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I do think that I might have to add this to my catalog on my PS5 because I'm pretty sure it's on PS5. It is. It's also on Game Pass too. If you have, if you know someone with Game Pass, I have Game Pass. Yep, it was a day one on Game Pass when it got released. Snap. Yeah, I um. It's it's a great it's a really great game, but it's like again like I remember being a kid right, and as a kid I was like. Well, when I when I run into other Pokemon in the grass, like how come I don't just get to see the Pokemon, and how come it like goes to a cutscene where like it's like weirdly I have to choose what the Pokemon do, right? Like you you yeah. have to build up this this uh, suspended uh, sus- suspended what's the suspense word of disbelief. Yeah, suspense of disbelief for like what turn based battles are, but in this game. You don't have to. It just feels so organically built into everything that it's just like, yeah, well, this is how the world and the game works, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it honestly, like, I, tr- I truly think, like, it's it's a total achievement, and I think it's going to be remembered as, like, one of the best of all um, JRPGs. It's also relatively short for a JRPG, too, which, like, I personally appreciate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It it's not one of those games that like you feel overwhelmed every time you go to a town with like there's four hundred side quests and characters and things to do. You could probably comfortably beat this game in like around twenty hours. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Yeah. Maybe thirty if you a hundred percented it like I did. Um but even then a hundred percenting it is not is not really that bad. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, dude. I don't know. I think it's an achievement. I I think you should definitely try it on Game Pass if only to like just see what your take is and like experience experience I don't know, again, like take the JRPG out of it. I just think it's like an adventure that will like sweep you off your feet and you'll you'll think is amazing and fun every second. This game is just it's so well paced all the time as well. Like I don't know, it's so good. Huh. Yeah. There's no grinding. Like they they really built it so that like there is leveling up, but they really kind of just ensure that if you're going from point A to point B, you're going to hit all the right amount of encounters to get yourself to the level you need to be. There's not like a grinding leveling system. That's nice. Um Yeah, and when you level up, you get to choose like a stat to bonus. So like, you know, all your stats will go up, but like maybe Valerie will be you're like magic attacker and maybe I'll raise Zale's defense and like obviously Garl is your healer guy who makes food so you want to raise his HP as much as possible right? right so there's like all of these systems smartly integrated um as well too the only thing i'm worried about for me is it sounds very thinky like it's very strategic and tactical in like how you play or or re- rather how you build your party and i'm worried about that for me cuz i don't I don't, you know me, I don't like having to think. I like things that feel automatic. Well, first of all, 
that's bad and you should change that. But second of all, <laughs> um, but second of all, I, I think I hear where you're coming from. And I think in this game in particular, you're not going to feel that because I think they've done a ton to pare it down and make it really, really simple. Like, first of all, there's three party members. Um, they can attack in whatever order you want them to at any time. Um, when your characters die, they come back to life. Um, the list of mana uh, magic attacks that you have to learn is very, very short. I actually think it is kind of the perfect experience for someone like you because it's all really simple. And, like, obviously you're going to be rewarded for learning the systems of the game better. Sure. But... Most encounters take less than a minute, and they're built to be really easy to understand and fun to get through. Not like you have to be strategic or the enemies will kill you type thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. Plus, plus, there's an easy mode. What's really cool is, like, they actually built the quality of life um, accessibility features, like, into the game. So you can get – you can find, like, these gems or you can buy them from shops – or they're just they're sort of presented as upgrades, but you can turn them on or off at any time. So like for example, there's like gems that will one of them will automatically do the timing of the attacks for you. So like let's say you don't want to have to learn the button presses to do more damage. You can just turn on the game will do the button presses for you. Oh. Um same with defending yourself. Um there's even ones that like will allow you to get more healing or more mana. So, like, they, they actually sort of intelligently built the accessibility features into the game where, like, you find them as upgrades and you're like, oh, that's clearly an accessibility feature that I may or may not turn on, but it's like an upgrade as it's presented to you. So it's neat. That's kind of that cool, way. yeah. Yeah. No, honestly, like, truly... I I think that you'll I think that you'll love it and it's hard to know what you'll like all the time but I don't think it's a I don't think it's a tremendously challenging or overthinking game. I think the beauty of it is that it's really really simply presented um the whole time like in a way that if I was 10 I think I would love this game too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um and like probably the thing that highlights that the most is there is one character in the game who you meet. the 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 game is filled with cast of like insane, silly characters. One of the one of the groups that you meet early on is like this group of of pirates who are like just insane. Like one of them, his whole thing is he has this animation where he's like, he's like, oh, my name's Ash or whatever. I don't remember what his name is. But he has this animation where he gets on one knee and he brings his arms up to, like, jack his muscles and his whole shirt rips <laughs> off of him and you can see his ripped body. And then when he, like, stands back in a normal position, his shirt just, like, regrows on his body. <laughs> um, but you will see that animation, like, 20 times in the game. That's, like, his whole deal. Oh, my gosh. Um, another one of them is, like, his whole quirk is he's always, like, and if and if uh if blah 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 isn't true then my name isn't joseph or whatever like all of the characters have like a weird lovable thing about their character but the best one is the character who who her whole shtick is to just make fun of rpgs oh my god that's amazing 
So like you'll every time you see her, it's like your characters will walk up and all of the pirates are gathered around a table, and she's like, she she'll be like, yeah, well, and so, she was like, yeah, it was like a world-ending demon that we were fighting, but we just had like seventy meals saved up that we hadn't used for the last forty hours, so we just ate all of those and oh took God. it down in about five That's minutes. So funny. right, and then, and then one of the other characters is like. I'm sorry, and that's supposed to be fun. How exactly? <laughs> like, <laughs> and the the whole game is filled with these like really snarky pieces of dialogue where like, it's kind of poking fun at like the things about other RPGs that are like uninteresting or like boring or just not that well done. So like, I again, I think this game was very purposeful in like how can we make the combat really simplistic but engaging and smart and fun to do and not overstay its welcome and just be like a grind. That's cool. Yeah. Um there's like a whole board game that they built into this game as well. Um so when you go to the various different taverns of the towns, um this is like so so cool. Um the pirates are also a, a band of traveling musicians and so they're uh, the whole game soundtrack can be played in the tavern by like this bar of musicians who is like an upright bass player, an accordion player, a violinist, and I think like a like a pianist. So every time you go into one of the taverns, they'll be playing a song from the game on those instruments that were actually recorded and you can go you can like cycle through the soundtrack and just pick whatever track you want. That's awesome. Yeah, and in the taverns is, I forget what the game is called, but it's like just a straight-up board game that they built and programmed into this game oh for gosh. no other reason other than it's cool. Yeah, and it's it's like this whole like little strategy game where you have like an archer and you have a mage, and you have to like, your opponent also has an archer and a mage, and you have to like roll this little roulette for like tokens and stuff. But it's it's just like, again, one of those things like, you can tell they poured so much love into every inch of this game to make it feel special and over the top. And it really truly is amazing. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, I love it. I I'm pulling. There's, there's many games I would love Trevor to play, but like this might be number one for like, I'd love to do a follow up episode and really, really talk spoilers. If you played it, that would like, that would be such a huge deal for me if that happened. I'll check it out and see if I can get into it. Yeah. Um Yeah, I I think I'm I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm I'm willing to bet that I think you'll like it because of the story and because of the simplicity and because of like the lore and the world which I know you're into like lore-driven, story-driven games, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. It's uh it's like a dream come true for me. Like, I honestly kind of just want to restart it and play it again because I love it so much. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe one day we will revisit it. I I will check it out because it's on Game Pass. I don't have to buy anything. So I'll check it out and see if I see if it grabs my interest. Yeah, I think for people listening, like I said, if you are even a little bit intrigued or interested, you should absolutely check it out. It's it's a it's a great game. It's it's an all timer for me, bro. It's an all timer. Cool. Um God, it's so it's so good. I just I wanna talk about all of the things that 
happened and moved me and changed me and i want to i want to play it again it's so good trevor i hope i'm gonna i'm gonna play it and i hope that i get to the point that you had where you started crying because i want to have that moment of like this is why andy was crying yeah i i think you'll like it man it's it's got a great story and it's got great characters and I don't know. It's hard to gauge with you because you're not as much into pixel art things, but like I'm, I'm hoping and willing to bet that like the type of the story is is your energy. It's also not like like a long drawn out, filled with tons of cutscenes and stuff. the The story is like pretty brief. It does what it needs to do and it gets out and lets you play. Cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, just you've looked up screenshots of it and stuff, right? Yeah, the art style is really interesting looking. Oh, dude, it's it's like unbelievable the the art style. I was like constantly stunned at every every boss and every character and at like the things that you see in this game are just like unfathomably beautiful all of the time. It's it's bananas. Yeah. I think I'll check it out. Like I said, it's on Game Pass. I yeah. don't have to buy anything, so I'm definitely more inclined to play it if I don't have to spend money on it. Yeah, I and I think um this is definitely one that I would say like just for for my emotional sanity if you do play it um like I would say please plan on on finishing it just for my mental sanity because I think if you come back and you're like yeah I played it for 3 hours and I really love it and it's cool and I like this about it and then don't finish it I'm going to be like devastated that we don't get to talk about it on the podcast um, that would be worse than if you just didn't start it. So I would say if you're going to start it, it's not that long. Like I said, you can do, you could beat it in around 20 hours. If you want to 100% it, it's like 30 hours, which is still not even that much okay. for most RPGs. Um, but like, if you do, if you do start it, like don't start it unless you're like, I got a lot of time and I'm really going to like dive into it. You know? Okay. Noted. Um, and I will also say this, that when, if you, if you get to the end game, you will probably be compelled to 100% it. And like, I'm not going to spoil anything about that, but if you do, I would say there's no shame in using a walkthrough to see what things you have to accomplish. That was actually a big shocker for me because, I got to the end and I really wanted to see the end and they do a lot to help you 100% this game. But there were points where I was like, like what, like what's, what's going on here? And like, I used Google and I was like, there's no shame in using Google. Like see the end. If you're going to, if you're going to do the hundred percent. Okay. Will do. Yeah. But you don't have shame about using Google. Like I do. I don't know. Not as bad. Yeah. Well, because they there's actually like a lot of in-game stuff that is built specifically just to help you 100% this game. Oh, yeah, which is cool. But like, I kind of misread some. Like, I was like, oh, according to the game, I've done everything that was that is available for me to find or do, but I still haven't gotten all of the things. If that makes sense. Yeah. So as soon as I Googled it and it was like, no, no, there are more things for you to do here, here, and here, I went back to the game and I was like, oh, they were telling me that. I just kind of misread because I'm an idiot. Gotcha. Um, But, you know, 
There's no shame in using Google, looking things up. No shame in being an idiot. Right. I mean, right. That's how I live my life. I I say that all the time about my dog. Like, my dog's an idiot. And then, like, people will be like, don't be mean. I'm like, it's not mean. She's not smart. Yeah. I Like... that's the truth. I love my dog. I that's not a bad thing that she's not smart. It's just the truth of the matter. I'm not that smart either. <laughs> like for real. Like people think they're like it's so bad. Don't call your dog not smart. I'm like she's not. She's not smart, smart though. <laughs> that's she's true. It's, she's not an intelligent animal. What are you gonna do? Yeah. I still love her despite it. Yeah. There's no shame. No shame in being an idiot. Put that as the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> Slap that on the tin. Baby got backlog. No shame in being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I think that about wraps up our uh, our Sea of Star Wars episode. <gasps> sea of Star Wars. Bovine oh. colon bovine milk. Oh my God! <laughs> yes. Don't let me forget that in the title. I'm going to text you later this week and be like, what was the funny thing you said about milk? And you have to remember the bovine milk I'm gonna thing. I'm going to text you right now. Yes. Um, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much if you've made it this far and you've been listening. This has been quite a long episode. But, uh, man, just it's, it's exciting to talk about games. And thanks for hanging with us. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with someone that likes video games or text us or join our Discord. But uh, please... And thank you, and we love you. Yeah. Also, find us on Instagram uh, at baby underscore got underscore backlog. Yeah, that. That's a thing that we have. That is a thing that we have. Yep. I'm really bad at social meds. Well, lucky for you, I'm slightly better at it than you are. That's good. That's good. Yes, follow our pictures, join our Discord, um, but thanks for hanging out i don't know i like doing this show i love doing this show dude (laughs) i think a lot about how much i like like doing this show and uh not to get like too personal but it's just like it's so easy to like have side projects and stuff that are like not fun and don't bring joy to your life and like are stressful and uh i think we've worked really hard at this point to like make this this show like a positive fun thing to do that doesn't cause us stress and uh like i'm i'm grateful that we get to do it and have an outlet and be creative yeah dude. and it's not like it's not like a burden it's just like a positive thing we get to do yeah it also gives us time to like hang out for a couple hours yeah i honestly like i feel like if there's any takeaway i could share with other people who want to do creative things is like just just find a creative excuse to like hang out with your friends, especially if they're friends you don't get to see as much because they moved to Texas because they hate you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's be fair. You moved to Colorado first because you hated me. Texas was a side quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. As soon as I said that, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> okay. I wasn't even expecting that, to say that. That was like worthy of top five. <laughs> maybe 10 funniest things you've ever said. That one right there was good. (laughs) Oh man. I wasn't even expecting as soon as, as soon as I said you moved to Texas is when I thought of it. And I just, I surprised myself. (laughs) See, 
I was going to say something, but it's not nearly as funny as what you said. I was going to say I moved to Colorado because I hate you. I moved to Texas because I love Jen. It's not as funny, but it is sweet. It is sweet, but it's not funny. What you said was funny. Don't worry. I'll I'll edit it out so no one has to hear it. So. <laughs> it's just me talking, and it's like, me. No. <laughs> no, it'll just skip ahead, and people will be like, what are they talking about that Andy edited out? <laughs> I love uh, it. That's funny. Okay. I love it, too. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Find Trevor on social media. Join our Discord and our Instagram. Oh, and like, leave a comment if you're on Spotify, because apparently that's a thing you can do. Yeah, you can leave a rave review about how funny we are. Yeah, or something like that. How handsome we are. Weigh in and say, what's what's your favorite um, Andy rambling about something totally random? <gasps> yes, do that. <laughs> Tell us what's what's your favorite like insane tangent that we've gone on. <laughs> yeah, or you know, share one of your minor gripes. Oh, dude, we should have a minor gripe section on the Discord. We, yes, make it right now. Okay, bye everyone. Andy's got stuff to do. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. <laughs>